not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games of Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 64 of the podcast and we're turning over a new leaf in this one because I'm finally putting the Eastlings behind me. Well, I mean not forever probably, but I am putting them behind me. I'm moving on to something new and trying to make something else great again. Now, I've been teasing ahead to this for quite some time. I've been sort of mentioning the uh, the potential for my Numenorean army, uh, which I'm really very excited about. And I've actually had this army on the painting table for gosh, it must be it must be over a year now. Um, it was all interrupted by um, the the. Uh, Defense of the North announcement and the uh, the inclusion of the Dragon Emperor and the uh, the Black Dragons and all the various heroes that came out from that and they've just Games Workshop have just kept me kind of hooked into uh, Eastlings for that little bit longer than I expected when I, uh, I I first sort of set out on that challenge to sort of do better uh, with Eastlings so I kind of added an extra year to my time um, playing Easterlings but I I am putting them behind me uh, I think I've done what I wanted to do with them I've I've done a good job um, and I think other people are now proving that the Eastlings are indeed a competitively viable army. So with that in mind, I want to go to something that is probably not considered that competitive uh, and seeing whether I can do well with it, essentially. Um, I know lots of people will be screaming at their uh, headphones or their, however you're listening um, by saying, well, Numenor are brilliant. I mean, Ellendale's amazing and, you know, Last Alliance armies are, are fantastic. What are you talking about? They're not, they're not great. Well, first of all, I'm not doing a Last Alliance army. Um, I may well do it at some point down the line, but I want to see how good uh, Numenor can be pure, uh, pure, solid gold Numenor, um, because I just really love the models. And again, I'm sure you're shouting at me saying, what on earth are you talking about? The oldest models in the range, uh, the, the plastics are absolutely rubbish. I'm, but I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I genuinely think that the Numenorean plastics are really nice. Um, the, the character on some of the faces is fantastic. The, uh, particularly one of the shouting ones is, is really good. Um, the metals that came alongside them are amazing. The metal spears in particular are absolutely gorgeous. I know people will say, oh yeah, I just 3D print mine and stuff. Um, honestly, I've not seen um, Numenorean, uh, 3D printed Numenoreans that improve on the metal spear models. Uh, in particular, the one that's kind of, uh, it's kind of folding sort of move, folding his body to the left and spearing something uh, and screaming uh, as well. He's got a beard which is rare for um, for troops and, and models in particular. I, I just think they were great models, and I wanted to uh, wanted to enjoy painting them and uh, and having some fun with them on the tabletop. So that's what I've been doing. And also, of course, the the lack of mounted models um, or the difficulty of getting hold of a sealed door. Um, I know it's I think it's now been re released or it's on made to order or whatever. Um, but I, I'd not bother with that. Uh, the lack of the the big heroes meant a little bit of a hobby challenge for me as well, which I've I've really enjoyed doing. I've I've built um, and converted and painted um, two uh, mounted heroes, Ellendil and um, 
uh, and Isildur, as well as um, basically making a scratch-built um, uh, captain model um, from uh, loads of different parts, including uh, some a, a feudal knight kit from Fireforge Games, uh, combined with some um, plastic Numenorians and, and lances and stuff. So it, yeah, I've, re- I've really enjoyed the sort of modelling aspect of it, and I guess that's probably why it's taken longer to get around to it as well. I've been sort of dipping in and out of this modelling project um, before I actually get uh, get them on the tabletop. So I'm uh, really excited, um, and I thought I've got to try uh, and test them out at a tournament at some point. Um, so that's exactly what this podcast is. Um, strangely, uh, despite um, putting the Easterlings behind me uh, for one last time, the tournament I'm going to is called the Great North Rune. Uh, so uh, as in the Sea of Rune and Eastling, you know, times, Eastling area. Uh, it's, uh, it's clever, but it's up in Newcastle, which is famous for the Great North Run, um, and it's hosted by Jake Robson, um, who is uh, a lovely chap, lovely chap who uh, is from the local area. It's all been part of this big campaign to get um, more... Um, more events in the north of England uh, and and help kind of grow the community of SPG people there and we'll find out throughout the podcast um, how well that's gone I, I think it's I think it's gone pretty well from what I gather so uh, fingers crossed um, and of course we've got to build an army for that uh, event so let's do that That's right, for the first time in a while though, it's not going to be building an army for Mordor, it's going to be building an army for the good side, for Numenor to take on Sauron uh, on the plains of Gorgoroth. It's very exciting, really excited uh, for taking a Numenor army uh, to the Great North Rune. Um, I'll just quickly mention a little bit about the tournament, Uh, it's a 600 point uh, restriction tournament, Um, there's uh, no other, no main restrictions to the armies other than you've got to have more than three models. Uh, no Tom Bombadil or Goldberry, and no Red Alliances either. Um, and also, uh, there is a special secret scenario uh, in the last mission. So you'll play a normal mission, it says, in the uh, uh, from the Middle Earth Match Play Guide and bold randomly. Um, but there is like an additional um, objective in the final round, uh, which will be worth an extra five tournament points. Um, now, so that obviously means this could be a big swing, this five uh, t- tournament points. Um, and the way they're scoring the tournament, it's slightly unusual. Um, I think it might be common in some game systems, it might be common in some areas, but I've never really encountered it myself before. Um, It's using something called a victory point differential. Um, So it's a bit confusing, uh, but I'll try and explain it. It's a 20-0 system, uh, essentially to award each player a score between 0 and 20 um, every game. So essentially what you do, you add your victory points up uh, at the start of at the end of each game once you've uh, finished your game player with high score is the winning player and the player with the lowest score is the losing player surprise surprise on that but what you do is you subtract subtract the losing player score from the winning play, uh, winning players and then you get a victory point differential so um say for example i've won 5-1 um against the opponent that's a victory point differential of 4 uh, which awards me 14 tournament points and the opponent 6 tournament points. If there's a draw, so 5-5, five, five, um, we both get 10. So essentially, you're kind of starting with um, 10 victory points from each game, no matter what. So everyone's going to have 40 points um, at the end of the tournament. Minim- well, no, not that's only on a draw. But the, yeah, you're kind of starting on a 10 
um, and then depending on how well or uh, how how badly you do, you kind of add or subtract point, uh, points from that. So, um, so these five tournament points for the secret objective at the end are essentially worth um, half a draw, I guess, that, something like that, or worth a, a sort of minor loss. So, it, it, or, or I suppose worth a win, uh, something on to bump your win up. So, so it could be a bit of a swing on that uh, that last um, that last game, which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, and this, I, I feel like I'm explaining it poorly. I'm sure competitive players out there know exactly what I'm talking about, um, but think, God, Harry, you've done it right bodge job of explaining that but hopefully that makes sense it's it's not the conventional system where say you win and you get three tournament points and you draw you get one um it's it's actually counting your your uh, the, the size of your win um towards the uh, the final tally and i guess this is because it's a one day tournament four games um which could if you do that method lead to a lot more kind of uh, draws and and having to go into like the sort of secondary win conditions and all that sort of stuff. So so that's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. It's um it's going to be set at a Anarchy Brew Company, uh, which is really cool. Uh, it's on this sort of uh, an industrial estate in the outs- outskirts of um uh, of Newcastle, which is really smart. Uh, really excited um for the event and uh, p- particularly excited um for the fact that it's going to take my new menorian so uh, without much further ado i guess i should actually build that army i'm taking so um obviously i debated uh, which heroes to include here um but i settled on the big boy himself ellen dill mounted with a shield as my leader he's got uh, 200 points worth so that's a third of my army uh, already there actually slightly more which i'll talk about a bit more in a second um and He's really good. <laughs> he's just really good. He's strength five. Uh, he's got a master forged uh, hand and a half sword, Narsil. Um, so he can go two handed without a penalty. That's what master forge means. Um, so he's absolutely killing everything. Um, on with plus ones and strength five, it's you know. I mean, sometimes you'll be probably wounding things on threes, uh, which is which is pretty rare. Uh, that's exciting. So we've got him. Uh, horse obviously gives him plenty of mobility. Shield to make him defense eight. Um, and he gets a free heroic combat every turn. Amazing stuff. So all the chopping um, Ellen Dill should be doing. Um, and of course, people can be are rightly scared of him heroic combating from something into a captain, a hero, you know, even a minor lower level hero, and absolutely rinsing it. So this is the threat. That's the, that's the big big plan here is threatening with the heroic combats, especially at this lower point. So very exciting. Right in his warband, we've got a full complement of Numenorian warriors. Because of course, the the thing with Numenor is you don't actually have a lot of choice. You've got um, Numenorian warriors. And that's it. <laughs> that's that's your choice. It's just what, how you kit them up. So uh, this is how I'm kitting them up. I've got seven Numenorean warriors with spear and shield for 10 points each, which is not bad. They're strength four, they're fight four, they've got defense five, which is a little bit of a letdown. But the strength four is good and the fight four is good. Uh, then we've got five Numenoreans with shield, just shield, so they're nine points each. Uh, then we've got a banner, spear and shield dude, uh, who's 35 points. Then we've got five bowmen. So the uh, the bowmen, I, I, I wanted to go for not exactly uh, a third bows, but I do want to have plenty of bows because they're not terrible uh, archers. You know, if you've got uh, got a fair few of them, they're hitting on fours. They've only got normal bows, which feels like a bit of a shame because of the law. Um, I think the law sort of suggests that they fight um, with you know strong archers and all that sort of stuff. But hey, you can't do everything. So um the nine points for dudes of bows, uh, which is which is not bad. So in that warband we've got um twelve sort of 
warriors, as it were, um, five uh, bowmen and a uh, banner, spear and shield. So, so we're doing good there. I've got I've gone with more spears and shields just because uh, a I have the models and b I wanted to have as many as uh, I could. I actually could have uh, more, but I I ran out of models. Um, so I'll I'll, t- I'll tell you about that in a bit. Um, and so that's warband number one, basically. So it's a big warband. You know, we've got full eighteen plus Ellendil. Then we've got and the second warband. We've got a captain mounted with armor, shield, and lance for seventy-five points. So he's pretty good. He's got fight five. He's strength four. He's got a lance. He's got two attacks, as you'd expect for a captain. A couple of points of might. Um, he's he's gonna do some damage. Gonna do some work if he's got uh, you know if he's fighting the right person. The lance will just poke through a lot of stuff. So uh, that's good. I did toy with the idea of having one of those sort of uh, captains that's you know got a little less. Um, my uh, little less kit with him um, in order to, uh, you know, just sort of maximise on troops. But again, as you'll find in a second, that's probably not wise in this instance. Um, so he's he's a bit of a beat stick, and he's leading eight Numenorean warriors with spear and shield, uh, two Numenorean warriors with bow, and two Numenorean warriors with shield alone. So he's got a warband of exactly twelve models. Um, and if you're incredibly good at maths, which I suspect based on me listing off the, the stuff, you probably uh, haven't worked out this out. But I did, um, probably a bit late in the day. They, I was Essentially, I built my army and got all the stuff painted and then uh, was like, okay, I'll just quickly write the list to submit uh, to, to Jake, the tournament organiser. Uh, and and I, I looked at it and was like, oh, crap. I'm 14 points under if I go like this. And I, I sort of said, oh, crumbs, I could... I could spend the uh, 50 or thereabouts points to upgrade the captain to a, uh, a Sealdor, which which would help, um, and obviously I'd lose models to do that, but I, 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 I didn't have a Sealdor painted, basically. I still don't have a Sealdor painted. Um, so I, I, I kind of was tied into my army being 14 points under. Um, there are obviously ways that I could um, amend that and sort of mitigate it slightly by, for example, giving all seven bowmen spears. Um, that would put it down to, you know, uh, seven points short. And then I could give all of the um, shield warriors um, spears as well. So I'd have entirely spear shield guys or bow spear guys. And that would fully um, fill me up um, to to 600 points exactly um i don't want to start gluing spears onto my nice bowman i've put a lot of effort into painting my models um but you you could easily do that you could end up having 12 spear shield guys in the first warband with um, five bow spear guys uh, and then you could have uh, 10 spear shield guys uh, and two bow spear guys in the second warband and it would be exactly 600 points so um it was kind of an accident, um, but I didn't want to ruin my models, so uh, I, I'm happy to play 14 points under uh, and and see how I get on. Obviously, I, I can use that as an excuse uh, if I lose all four games uh, at the tournament. But you know, um, I thought, well, you know, I, I think I've, I've put a lot of effort into painting these guys, so uh, I want them want them to look nice, and maybe I'll I'll consider doing some Numenorean. Um, bowman spear bows uh with with some of the other models that i have spare because it might might help me in the future because it, it it struck me that this is actually a really difficult army to get the points right on because you have so little choice in both heroes and troops that you're kind of tied into 
tied into um, certain points limits, and at 600 points, it's not going to be great because um, either... So I've got a, a total of 32 models here, and they're filling up two warbands with the Captain and Elendil. If I took um, Isildur instead of the Captain, that would be um, f- basically around five models less because he's, uh, he's 135. Uh, so actually, it'd be six models left uh, less if he's on his horse. So that would put you at 26 models at 600 points, which feels a little low for a Defence 5 army. So the, obvi- the, the other alternative is go, well, have Elendil um, at... Uh, sorry, Elend- replace Elendil with a sealed door. Um, then you lose three places, sort of warband slots. So you've got 65 points saving, but you've you've lost slots. So you could probably spend that 65 points on... Uh, I don't know, like a captain, but it, you'd run out of slots. So it it's it's really difficult. I I don't know how you would um, how you'd actually save the save the pointage here to to get an exactly six hundred point list. Um, I suspect the the obvious answer that a lot of people will be shouting at me is is just put a Rivendell hero in there. You know, like get Elendil and I don't know something else uh, at six hundred points, or maybe a Sealdor and. Glorfindel or something like that. That would probably be quite, quite good, but um, but yeah, I just I just want to go pure Numenor. So so if you're trying to build a pure Numenor army, hmm, it's not easy at 600 points. It, I've, I've discovered um, it's actually a bit easier at 500 points, um, but even so, uh, it's uh, it's worth 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 noting. Um, so I, how do I how do I feel this is going to go? Um, I think Elendil's going to be really good. He's going to be really scary for people. I don't envisage fighting up against lots of massive heroes. Um, although it's really far north, um, and I haven't really been this far north. There's lots of Scottish people going to the tournament, and they might all bring really big uh, monsters and heroes all the time. I'm not really sure. So so that's exciting, the fact that it's going to be a, 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 lot, a different kind of meta, I'll say, I suppose. That's the, probably the right terminology. But uh, So uh, that's interesting. Um, but Elendil, obviously, massive threat, um, and I'm going to largely be relying on him to do the dirty work, because uh, he's got the threat range with the uh, three heroic combats, um, and I, I've got, I suppose I've got to be cautious about him losing his horse, um, because that could massively reduce you know, a third of my uh, army's killing power. But... Um, you know, hopefully I can be a bit canny with that. And I, ideally, I'd like to team him up with a captain um, and maybe some Numenorians as well, if there's room, and sort of heroic combat off stuff and spread my line and get a load of movement. Because the other thing, I don't have a lot of cavalry or, or fast-moving stuff. I've got some marches um, with the captain, but am I going to want to be calling a lot of marches with, um, you know, two of my five points of might? I, I'm not sure. Um We'll see. It depends on the scenarios, of course. If it sees the prize or something like that, then yeah, I'm going to have to. But um, that's that. That's one of the considerations. I've got to learn how to use my dudes really well. Um, I think I've probably done a decent job of that with the Easterlings recently because um, I've, I've I think I've gotten to use the pike block really efficiently and really well. But um, having recently had fight five uh, frontline and you know three uh, three dice and a banner to help me win the fight um i think i'm more i suppose it's more forgiving having an easterling pipe block than having a numenorian spear line because i'll get two dice and a banner if i've got the right spot for the banner um and you know i'm fight four so i'm more likely to be drawing a lot of fights than um than winning them so yeah it's gonna be difficult but of course they'll kill i mean the easterlings they really struggle to kill defense six um you know even with 
uh, the two frontline uh, sort of acolytes and two pikes behind them, four dice looking for six, you know, only happens about half the time. So, whereas Numenorians, two dice looking for a five, I think that I think I think that's better. I'm not sure actually; it may well be exactly the same. But either way, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, how efficient um, those things are. Um, it'd be nice if the bowmen were uh, good enough to draw the enemy to me a bit. Um, I've got seven bows, hit on fours, strength two. So not amazing, but um, enough that I could, you know, do some peppering uh, and maybe, maybe in some matchups, choose the choose where the lines clash. Um, and yeah, I guess that's it. I think it's just relying on the big heroes to do all the work. So with that in mind, um, we'll have to head to the tabletops in a few minutes' time. But first... Riddles of the Dark. My precious. Yes, that's right. It's time for Riddles in the Dark. And we're clearing up a riddle from uh, a couple of episodes ago, which was interrupted largely by um, the the competition I ran with the SBG magazine, um, which uh, I know, uh, I think it was... I think it was Jack, yeah, Jack um, won the SBG magazine competition uh, to name the previous episode, which is Running Up That Hill, which was very good. Uh, so thanks, Jack, for the um, for the suggestion, and I hope uh, you've, uh, you've your magazine's arrived. Um, let me know. Let me know when it arrives, uh, uh, the magazine, because I think I sent it a week ago now. So um, yeah, let, let me know uh, that it's arrived. I'd, I'd, Send a photo. Send a photo of you enjoying SBG magazine or something like that. That'd be good. Um, now, let's delve into the... Uh, well, actually, let's have a quick listen reminder of the riddle in the dark that we're uh, trying to sort of work out this time. Yeah, so we want to know who speaks next and what they say. Uh, so there's not a load of... I, I think this is a, a victim of the, the SBG magazine competition. There's not a load of entries, but that's okay. Uh, we have got some uh, generic emails and sort of um, uh, points to make. Uh, this is the time that I delve into the email inbox as well and just get some feedback from stuff or, or have some random talking points from you, the listener. Uh, so do get in touch, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Rowan May got in touch. Uh, he says, random thought for Entmoot. I'm listening to the latest episode while doing some hobbying. Ah, that's good to hear, Rowan. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned Rings of Power riddles in the dark. Interesting. Uh, he says, perhaps you could add a separate feature where you give a short clip and one simply has to figure out which episode it's from. Not replace Riddles in the Dark, but throw it in alongside. Ooh, uh, I, I like your idea, Rowan. Um, I think I, I did mention it to you. Uh, this is an intriguing concept. Um, I, I'm very conscious that, um, A, that would be difficult um, for a lot of people to get at the moment because nobody's watched all of the episodes more than once. Um, also, do I want to pile lots of lots of stuff like Riddles in the Dark in the middle of the episode? I don't know. Um, I do like the idea. I might do it occasionally, um, or maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, I'll try and think of a way of including it in some way, shape, or form, but I feel like now's not the right time for it. Um, but it, it is a good idea um, to have some clips of... Uh, in fact, I mean, they don't need to be quite as hard, do they? Because people won't know them as easily. So if I you know, had a clip of Galadriel saying something, and you've got to guess who speaks next... Um, that's actually not a bad 
it's a bit tricky because you can sort of work it out but it's not as easy as, as if I were to have the sound effects for example like I often have um, it, you, that would be impossible for most people I'd have thought um, it certainly would be difficult for me anyway so um, it's a good point Rowan um, I, I, haven't, I haven't really given it much thought yet so uh, worth noting I will have a think but uh, thanks very much for getting in touch uh, Elliot Schillinglaw has been in the podcast um, uh, he was he was in last episode uh, I interviewed him he had the uh, he had the Dragon Emperor Mordor Alliance um, that I lost to um, and he he said he sent me a message on Facebook uh, saying just listen to the podcast thanks for the feature hope my part wasn't too bad my mum loved it so I can't tell if I was trash or not happy faces smiling faces uh, lol faces um which is brilliant. I love the uh, I love the fact that uh, Elliot's mum uh, has listened to Entmoot. I, I don't know how many mums have listened to the podcast. Um, if you're a mum out there, give me a shout out entmootpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, I'd love to hear, uh, hear from the um, uh, from everyone in the uh, the hobby community who's listening. Uh, particularly because I don't have any actual data for for the podcast about this. But my YouTube channel, um, every time I have a look into the the figures, it says one hundred percent male, <laughs> like that literally zero uh, women uh, have watched my YouTube, which I know is not uh, entirely accurate because um, not everyone sort of shares their gender on um, their YouTube uh, handles or whatever, but but uh, according to YouTube, zero women uh, have ever watched a YouTube video by me, so that's interesting. Um, so I'm intrigued if, if mums are listening now uh, on uh, nmootpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I, I said, I said uh, back to Elliot, I, I love that mum, your mum listened, what's her name? Um, and uh, he said, well, I had to show her the podcast, didn't I? Uh, um, I and he said, can you see her? Anyway, her name's Angela. Um, so big shout out to Angela, I'm guessing Shillinglaw, um, Elliot's mum. Uh, big shout out to Angela. Uh, thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, you, you, you raised a good lad, you did. He was a good guy. He may have won the game against me, but he was a real nice chap about it. So, um, so yeah, you've 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 done good. You've done good. So uh, thanks very much to uh, Angela and uh, Elliot for sharing that with me. That's brilliant. Uh, okay, next. Um, this is actually on the uh, riddles in the dark and the ruining up that hill. Uh, this is from Michael H. Cheney. Michael says, hey, Harry, uh, congrats on the long haul victory with the Easterlings. Even if the last event didn't quite go to plan, it's been fun listening in on your journey with them. That's, I'm really glad, really glad you think that because um, I must say uh, I, I thought I could probably do better and I probably still can do a bit better, um, even though the last episode um, was a little bit of a disappointment, a thousand points. I may well, they may well yet return, um, but I, I've, I've really enjoyed playing with them. I enjoyed painting them a lot. That's the main reason I, I chose the army. That's the main reason I choose any of my armies, um, because I just want to paint nice models. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I've enjoyed it and I've, I think I think Easterlings are great again. They definitely are. Uh, he then moves on to, uh, Michael speaks about the riddle. He says... This riddle took me quite a while, and I did shed an unspecified number of tears rewatching scenes to nail it down, but I think I've got it for certain. At first, I thought this came at the parting of the Grey Havens or part of that scene, but there are no seabirds in the background. Well spotted, Michael. Uh, so, I've come to the conclusion that this is the clip at Aragorn's coronation, just after he's found Arwen, but just before they bow to the hobbits. So, the next line is Aragorn's when he says, My friends, you bowed to no one. Oh, and then everyone just weeps, and that was the, uh, of course, as, as he hinted at there, Michael. It's it's connected to the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, which is when I uh, uh, the last event. 
and uh, and of course this this is the line that always gets everyone everyone weeps uh, at my friend you bow to no one because that's when the music soars absolutely uh, soars so uh, let's just have a listen to that clip in full because it's it's just a great moment my friends you bow to no one Oh, it's just beautiful. This music, it just really gets me. Obviously, at this point, you're exhausted. You've had three and a half, four hours, if not uh, longer, um, watching the, the Return of the King, and, you know, you, you feel emotional, and you see the hobbits and everyone bowing to them, and the music's just just pulling on those heartstrings, re, uh, returning that sort of fellowship theme that's tied the films together. It's just beautiful. Great work, great work. Uh, uh, just to continue Michael's email, he says, great tie to your last event and looking forward to hearing what you do with Elendil. Honestly, slightly disappointed that your next army isn't more leafy and mossy. Maybe the one after this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good um, good point. Um, uh, I, I, did, I, I did reply to him actually saying, when they do a beach bone, uh, I will, um, I will, hopefully do uh, a full end army i have actually used an end army at an event recently but i didn't um, record it because it's a uh, it was a b-sime meetup um so there's a few games uh, for battle streams in middle earth and i didn't record an episode for that one because i wanted to just enjoy myself um but i probably should because it was the, <laughs> the only event i've ever ran um ends at so uh, except it was seven stones many 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 years ago before um before i started the podcast so anyway there you go michael uh, thanks very much for the uh, contact well done on getting the riddle in the dark uh, and i suppose that means it's time for a new riddle in the dark who speaks next after this clip from the lord of the rings or the hobbit movies and what do they say Podcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say uh, let's have another listen Podcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say in the riddle in the dark and hopefully hopefully i should have uh, an episode uh, on the way in it's probably going to be between two and three weeks uh, the next event i'm going to will be uh, on the 20th of november it's a one-day event and hopefully uh, i'll have a podcast uh, out at some point um, during the following week so you should have another in November to round things off nicely to have two uh, uh, different things um, and I have mentioned in the past um, I've got um, some other recorded bits that I'm hoping to uh, air out at some point so you may find a, another one in between then uh, but I'll probably be a riddle in the dark free so get in touch at gmail.com if you think you know uh, who speaks next and what they say in that clip I'll play it at the end of the podcast again as normal and feel free to add any comments about uh, uh, Numenor uh, how you think I do uh, with Numenor, and what you think of Numenor as an army as well. Feel free to uh, just give us a give us your thoughts. Penny for your thoughts, please. Uh, with that in mind, it's time to go on an adventure. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? Stop. I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. Game one at the Great North Rune, and uh, I'm playing Day Sweeting, and we're playing Assassination at 600 points here in this delightful brewery. Uh, there's, a hu- there's huge kegs or uh, brewing towers or whatever you call them uh, in the other room. You can see through. There's dozens of them, and there's 
great graffiti artwork everywhere and there's uh, beer on tap it's it's going to be a good event and um, well we'll see how the gaming goes but Dave first of all uh, we played before uh, and people may remember what you've uh, bought if they're keen uh, listeners to the podcast but just give us a vague summary of what you've got in your army at 600 points well last time I had the fellowship which you, you absolutely trashed <laughs> uh, this time I've got something a little bit tougher mm. I've got the depths of Moria and I've got a Balrog there's a captain a black shield shaman and then there's about 30 goblins and there's a couple of prowlers in there as well yeah it's not so about five or six prowlers a smattering of archers uh yeah solid stuff when you saw Elendil, numenorians uh the captain obviously an assassination where you have to choose one of your lesser heroes to kill mine what what did you think and also who did you choose as your assassin uh, the assassin was the uh, the Sherman, because I was thinking maybe I'll get the uh, tremor on the captain. Yeah, and he did tr- throw two dice tremor at him at some point, which we'll get into in a minute. But uh, and, and obviously, I had one target and one assassin. Uh, I chose your captain, thinking he's more likely to be in the mix, hi- less likely to be hiding behind the lines. Um, but I think you played this really, really well right at the start. You basically said, "I'm going to throw a Balrog at you." Yeah, it it kind of panned out how I thought it would. I thought there's no point risking the goblins. No, they're not going to kill many Numenorians. Um, I think in the end they killed one. Yeah, so so that was uh, that was bang on the money really with that. Yeah, uh, with that assumption. It was it was a really uh, a smart strategy because I know. Uh, I need to keep my captain the hell away from the Balrog because otherwise I'm just going to hand you five victory points. Um, you need to get uh, a kill with the assassin to get the full seven. But either way, if I hand you five victory points, I'm in a hiding to nothing here. So Balrog comes forward with a couple of guys in support uh, and I stayed at the back shooting a little bit um, hoping to thin out the lines or maybe get a lucky hit on a captain. Um, but none of that happened. Uh, my bowmen are a little inexperienced, it's fair to say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. your bowmen have, have fought many battles. Yeah, I talked, I talked up the goblins and the, and the bowmen, but that was clearly, clearly nonsense. Yeah, they're absolute trash. <laughs> um, but having said that, the Balrog did what the Balrog needed to do. He got into combat early on, um, and I, I kind of decided, well, I'm not going to try... I don't want Elendil in the combat with him because I'm gonna, it'll come down to a coin flip. Do I get the strike up to 10 then a roll off yeah. uh, and then Elendil could do some work on the Balrog wounding him on fives uh, and with sort of eight attacks on the charge it's not unlikely that he, after two or three turns I'll take him out but I knew I had to have Elendil do the work Captain was too risky to throw in to try and kill the, kill the assassin so I needed Elendil to be alive and chopping through goblins because otherwise you'll just shield off your captain and your shaman with, uh, with goblins which is pretty much what you did yeah, I, I kind of felt that that's probably all I could do, and then it would be quite a tight game. I was kind of, I was kind of leaving it up to you to, to make a mistake, which I don't think you did make many. I maybe wouldn't have chucked your captain in. Yeah. Um, well, let me talk you through it. So, so the, eventually, after a couple of turns of combat, the Balrog churning through um, sort of three or four uh, Numenorians each turn, um, I charged about five in each turn so that the heroic combat didn't get to go off. But I sort of slid around him through this gap in the centre between some ruins and some trees uh, and then slowly started turning into the guys. And I lost two heroic move-offs in a row um, and I, I knew that the only thing that I could charge in was the captain because uh, was, Elendil was just out of range or, uh, or I can't remember exactly why. Or, but anyway, he was just out of range of the, the guys. 
So I decided to charge new, uh, the captain into the front line, into a couple of prowlers, knowing or hoping that you would wrap your guys around him, which would then put them in range of Ellendil, which is exactly what happened. And so by doing that, it was really risky because it threw my uh, captain and, their, and who I knew was your target into harm's way. But I knew that Ellendil would either be able to sport him or at the very least get round and, and start on the path towards uh, with his heroic combats getting into, uh, getting into your captain. The Numenorian captain absolutely um, bashed, well, he, he didn't do anything, but he, he'd lost his horse and all that sort of stuff. But he did resist the tremor, which you cast yeah, on two dice and a six. There was a lot of dice rolls that could have gone either way. I think if you'd have won one of those heroic move-offs move uh, quite early, if you'd won that first one, that'd have bought you quite a few, maybe that could have bought you another two turns, which mm. could have been enough to get you the win. Yeah, because most of your force was just edging away uh, yeah. the whole time. You'd marched once, um, moved a couple of times with the Shaman and the yeah. Captain's other points of might, just to get away from the, the line of Numenorians and let the Balrog do the work. Yeah, the Balrog did do the work. I was, the only... All I was really hoping for was trying to get the um, the three inch um, set of blaze off on on uh, your captain or uh, Ellendale if I could have got him in range. But you, you kept him well away. You did a really good job tying him up the whole game. Yeah. And then I was trying to keep my two my two heroes. There's no point risking him at all. There's no point. But that that extended extended range of his um, heroic combat is yeah. fearsome. I mean, I, once that hit the first time and assisted the new Norian captain, he flicked around the edge as far as he could go, taking on some more goblins. Next turn, charge in again and heroic combated into the captain and the shaman, or, or maybe he charged the shaman. I can't remember which way around it was. Yeah. Might might not have been off the heroic combat, but he was overextended essentially. He he, I knew that what he needed from that point onwards was to, to win, win the combats. And because uh, I'd spent so much might heroic moving early on to try and catch you, um, I rolled a three high or four high or something like that on, a, on one of the combats and no might left, so I just had to cop it. And it meant I lost my horse early on with uh, the, the very first combat against the captain uh, with Ellendil, uh, which next turn meant that he had one fewer dice. In the final turn, I was surrounded again with the captain, the shaman, three goblins plus a couple of supports. And, and if Ellendil had won that combat, I'd very likely get a wound on the captain, yeah. if not kill him. Uh, strength five, Burley, you know, he's, he's chopping through a defence five or six captain, I can't remember his yeah, defence. I, I was disappointed that I left that, that gap open there for Ellendil to go in. Yeah. That, that was my one job yeah. for the whole goblin, <laughs> the whole goblin army, that was our one job, and I messed it up. Yeah. Um, but luckily, it went the goblins' way with um, you losing your might quite early on, yeah. and that just about saved me. Yeah, because it, it, it left the, the bar is open. We hear big cheer from the uh, the whole way, uh, whole here, and um, yeah. So, so essentially, those two turns bought you enough time for the Balrog to chop through enough guys to to break me comfortably. I think I've got I've lost ten. Uh, nearly 20, maybe 20 guys, yeah. something like that. So I've only got about 10 left. Captain's still alive, unwounded. Ellendale's alive and unwounded. I did get a wound off on the Balrog, but I'm broken. And maybe one more turn, or, or if really I needed to win the combat against the captain that turn and wound him, and the game's just finished. So the last combat could have been really essential here. But equally, next turn, I mean, if priority goes your way, um, you win easily because um, the Balrog gets into the captain and kills him. If I win, I might be able to shield off the, the Balrog for another turn, keep the captain alive, and Ellendil needs to win against the captain. So very, very close game. It ended up being a 3-1 victory to Dave, uh, just on the broken, and I yeah. did get one for wounding the Balrog. It, it really went down to the wire, didn't it? Yeah. For the last 
the la last four turns maybe it yeah. was just everything was so close yeah. and uh but yeah, but as, yeah. as you say, there were so many, so many roles earlier on in the game that could have, could have been big. Like you uh, tried to shatter Elendil's sword, which provides the heroic combats, yeah. um, and I had to spend the two resist rolls, two points of will, and a point of might to resist it. Well, does that provide the heroic combats? Yeah, it oh, does. Right, I didn't. I should have, should have listened again. Yeah, I? yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, it's, it's all part of the same kit. So it gets burly two-handed sword. So it's all in the uh, hands of Narsil, which is uh, freaky. Uh, the and the resist roll. If the, if the captain hadn't rolled a six on his shatter resist which I did I think I had some points of might to spend it but uh, it resisted the shatter which um, meant that you didn't get a chance to wound him um, and you know there were a couple of things as I say the, the roll, heroic move roll offs two turns in a row and losing priority a couple of turns in a row as well uh, meant that you could delay things a bit so I mean it, it, loads of things could have gone the other way and changed the result completely If I was you I possibly would have tried just chucking single Numenorians into the Balrog and just shielding and hoping I'd roll the, the six um, that might have slowed him down a lot because the amount of Numenorians he killed was pretty disgusting wasn't it but yeah I think early on I was thinking oh, if I do five uh, guys then it means that I, uh, I'm, I'm more likely to win and get the wound and once yeah. I got the wound off I wasn't bothered doing that anymore I just went straight in with the but I, maybe it took two turns or something like that and by that point I'd lost what eight guys you, you played it really well though I was, I, I was yeah I was finding it quite a tough game but it was a, it was a fantastic game actually yeah and it was really good fun it was, it was done in all the good spirit no no cheating except that time you moved back uh, more than an inch <laughs> which, which I was just teasing about anyway well best of luck in the rest of the tournament you the too, draws thank up you. thank you game number two of the Great North Rune and uh, playing against Tom in uh, what was it it was Command the Battlefield uh, and uh, Tom you, you reminded me just before we started the game that we have had a couple of games in the past many many years ago I think uh, one of them was quite a few years ago About four yeah four years ago okay so um, certainly I, I, obviously I've churned through people on the podcast playing yeah, games yeah. Uh, I do remember one of them uh, with the Mummock I didn't remember the other one a few years before that but um, you reminded me that we, we won one each in, in those games so coming into this game you're looking down at the field you're seeing Elendil and the captain of Numenor uh, some Numenorians command the battlefield and um, first of all what's your army and and did you fancy your chances so I brought Ugluk scouts so we've got um, Ugluk, Maha, Grishnak and our captain mm -hmm. and it's a 50 model army it's, so it's huge it's a big army so, so yeah I, I mean I did fancy my chances because I thought if I could if I could tie up Elendil and the captain and our troops are pretty evenly matched. I should win the numbers game and then hopefully take the scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got more might than me, so you can eventually pin the, the captain and Elendil down before they do too much damage, you like to think. Uh, and, and as you say, you've got huge numbers, 50 compared to my 32. So significant advantage there uh, um, from the start for Command the Battlefield, where that's the one where you've got a dead zone in the middle uh, and you've got a capture table quarters and there's two points for each quarter, uh, as well as killing leader and breaking and stuff. And... Going into it, I mean, the, the Maelstrom didn't play massive factor. Um, we both came on pretty much where we would relatively like. I mean, you spent one point, and I think, from a captain. But you had two uh, warbands on one uh, table edge, two, uh, two on the other, and I had both mine on uh, a third table edge. So all in this melee, and, and then essentially we kind of went for the middle, which yeah, is probably which not is the wisest idea. No, I think we got carried away, didn't we? Battle lines met, and we just tried to concentrate on killing. Mm. Yeah. Um, my plan was obviously with the model advantage was to sort of try and wrap around you and it was it seemed to be working until I got uh, some uh, bad luck shall we say I mean I don't like to blame it on dice but 
the uh, it was ridiculous. It had, I do feel like it was a bit ridiculous. It, it was absolutely <laughs> insane. Like I, I, I won't sugarcoat it because um, the, basically there was this big DMZ in the middle, and I and I was thinking if I can. I think I lost two priorities in a row. Uh, no, one two priorities in a row when I didn't want to uh, early on. And I was thinking if I can get you to commit to the middle and then I can stay on the outside, I'll hold you in place in the middle and I can peel off some bits. Captain Ellen Dill can maybe heroic combat off at some point and, and claim the quarters and the table at the end. But instead it ended up kind of being the opposite and I felt like halfway through the game it was probably a bad idea and I ended up in the middle fighting and you had this potential to wrap all the way around me. You ha- there was a couple of buildings in awkward positions to make it harder for you, but your superior movement, you, as you mentioned, you've got the same fight value on your Urukai and your same strength, so uh, obviously lacking in spear supports, but eventually you did get that wrap round. But that first turn where you didn't have the kind of the wraparound and the traps from behind and, and all those sorts of things. It was pretty much ones-on-ones. Um, I had some spears, you had some orcs, all that sort of stuff. It went absolutely calamitously for you. Yeah, I mean, when you go in that sort of situation, you're just holding 50-50 at ice, yeah. aren't you? So uh, I was hoping that we could both kill a similar amount of models and then, again, massive, like superior numbers would grind you down. Yeah. And as long as I could tie up a Lendale, which I feel like I did, it, yeah. it, I thought... You did I had, really well. Yeah, yeah, I thought I had a good chance. But, yeah, yeah it's... Dice didn't agree with me. <laughs> no, they didn't. I, I think that first turn it was something like 10. I, I'd killed two from shooting because I had a superior range. Um, but killed 10 in the first turn. One or two with, with, was Ellendale because you pinned him down in a heroic combat and got another one. Uh, but 10 Numenorians, uh, uh, sorry, and, and it was down to one, one or two Numenorians dead to 10 Urukai and, uh, and Orcs. It was a ridiculous start and, and it kind of spiralled from there. Even when you did get all the traps at the other end, it, you were killing like two or three a turn compared to my five or six. It, was, it just felt ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I feel like I'm making the same excuse, but yeah, yeah I think it did come down to that. I mean, I'm not sure how differently I could have played it. Maybe sent off a couple of groups mm-hmm. in the table quarters, but again, I think your... You were sort of in a commanding position at the end, and I think it would have just won out, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you, part of the problem was your confidence from the start was that you, realistically, uh, on the balance of probability, you should have been able to kill enough stuff in the middle to have enough guys to then peel off and run away into all the corners. But um, because of your sort of confidence in a way, you were like, like, well, I've still got time to kill all your guys and run them off, and it's fine. But because I just get, the, the look turns so badly against it, you it that you don't have a chance to do that. It wasn't necessarily confidence. I just knew that if I gave you time with a Lendil, mm. he could mince through half of my yeah, army. Yeah, so yeah. I thought it was it was more being aggressive to defend against the Lendil. Right, yeah. yeah. So it was it was more trying to stop him walking through my army, and it just turned out the Numenorians did that on their own. Yeah, they, they really did. Yeah, and and I, I think I, I I sort of said at the end of the game that maybe if you'd left just one or two Urukai in the corner that you started in pretty much and another sort of on a scouting mission you'd have lost six Urukai to maybe that uh, or because you had more Urukai than Orcs and then maybe maybe you know that they, they wouldn't have made much of a difference in the middle like having an extra six in the middle probably wasn't going to help you in the long run although I suppose at the start you probably thought it would I, I, it's, it's a tricky one because it ended up being um, a, a 10-1 victory to me and and it really did come down to what, I had one model in each quarter, and we had the rest of your stuff. Uh, half your army was in the middle. Yeah, all the models I had moved to quarters ran away as well, yeah. so that was helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was two two uh, orcs and an urukai that, that ran away. So it, it worked out perfectly for me. And if all of those had passed, it would have been 
I don't know, a, a 2-1 or 3-1 victory or something like that. So not as, not as big a, a victory. But either way, uh, it, it's fair to say the dice absolutely betrayed you. Um, I, I mentioned sort of uh, at the end of the, the, the sort of splitting your guys off. I, I don't know whether your banner was in the right place. Maybe that would have helped a bit, but it didn't really matter because I was bannering into the six every time anyway. So it just, yeah, I, I'm not sure that there's much that you could have done to alleviate the pain in this, uh, this time. Well, that's why we play dice games, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was good <laughs> fun. You, you've won the decider now, so you're 2-1 up. 2-1 up. So until next time. Until next time. Well, yeah. thanks for the game. I hope, you, I hope it didn't feel like too much of a drubbing because it was the dice doing the work, not, not your, your misgivings. No, it's always fun to play. Good. Good. Cheers. Game number three, to the death here at the Great North, Rune. Uh, I'm playing against Joe. Uh, Joe, first of all, um, you've got a, a cool army. It's a beautiful, beautiful army of uh, wonderful, wonderful models. Uh, I'll let you describe it for us because uh, that's the fun of it. Uh, what is your army here that you've brought for 600 points? Thank you very much. Um, I've brought Fangorn and I have Treebeard with two Ents and Beachbone. Delightful. And at the, the, the conversion work on Beachbone is fantastic. You've, uh, just tell me how, how you made it actually because there's green stuff and there's parts from all the Ent kits available basically. Yeah, so anyone who's bought an Ent will probably know you get a load of spare bits. So I've got the, what is it? The plastic face, mm-hmm. so one of the plastic faces. Yeah, so there's one that's kind of embedded in the tree trunk, isn't there? It's got yeah. like little mushrooms on his head, and that's the one. Yep, that's the plastic face. And then the metal arms from the old metal kits, using them to make the legs and the arms. And then I just use a scrunch-up bit of foil for his body, and then green stuff, a load of bark over the top. Um, but yeah, I just thought... It's more that I didn't want to waste all the bits, to be honest. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and if, if ever there is a, 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 a beach bone model that comes out, he'll make a, a, a fine, fine uh, variation of an end model anyway. So uh, fantastic. And um, so that's your army, 600 points. Um, and we're playing to the death. So this is the one where it's all about quartering, breaking, uh, killing the enemy leader, uh, and also killing banners. So first of all, I start with a banner. So you're already at a slight disadvantage. What was your game plan here? Um, well, getting rid of the banner was definitely something I wanted to do at first. So I did try lobbing a couple of rocks, of rocks at him as I was slowly walking towards you. Merry and Pippin, unfortunately, didn't manage to get to him with, these little, with their little stones. But they did kill someone. They killed a Numenorian, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah they managed to brain a Numenorian. I think it was only one, maybe yeah. two. Um, but yeah, so because you kind of set up in a very nice looking line I'm not sure if that was deliberate or not to try and make me think oh I can get a hurl down there <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you carry on talking and I'll explain why, what the line was for yeah um, so yeah so I kind of was slowly moving the ends up kind of two by two so leaving two ends back to be throwing rocks kind of trying to get your heroes but I know that you move them back um, so yeah they were kind of consistently getting a Numenorian every now and again so the idea was to slowly move up and then try and get around your side to get some hurls off um, but yeah, you'll be able to see what happened in the middle there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So I did deploy a very long line of dudes. Um, so I had my bows on the front, basically with spears behind them, uh, and then a smattering of other dudes at, at each end. The, big, the heroes quite far behind, uh, not massively far behind. I mean, uh, we're talking my line's probably six between six and eight inches onto the table. So my, my, my heroes moved back enough so that they weren't going to get rocks lobbed at them too early on. And, and my idea was I'll set up my bows and I'll just shoot with my seven bows and hope to plink a wound off, but at the very least encourage you to come into this big killing zone in the middle. So there's this, uh, there's basically this, uh, on the mat, there's a, there's a kind of r- road that's paved out and someone has made a crossroads on this road with a little bit of fences and all that sort of around the road. But this road area is probably... 
I don't know, it's, it's nearly a foot by a foot almost, this, this big empty zone. And I thought if I can pull Joe's Entz into that gap, then I'll have a chance to surround him, uh, 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 trap him, um, you know, get Ellen Dillon to the right places and to strike. Because obviously I'm really worried here because I've only got three points of might that I can spend on strikes. You've got six and all of your Entz, uh, your normal Entz are even the same fight as Ellen Dillon. So this is a really uphill battle for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because I tried to get them around the side and then it was getting these. So I put quick beam up the middle because I kind of thought... Beach bone. Beachbone, God, I keep getting that wrong. Uh, Beachbone up the middle, um, thinking he can probably absorb quite a few guys, which he kind of did for a bit, but mm. it was that. So there was a combat quite early on where you surrounded him, and I thought, well, it's probably odds are in my favour because I'm fight eight, so I'm probably going to get a six. I've still got all my might. But yeah, I got the three, had to spend all my might. Yeah, so that and that, and that, that kind of sealed the deal, really, yeah. didn't it? For, the, for Certainly for Beachbone, it was only a matter of time after that. Because I think, are you right, I had... I want to say four guys plus beer supports onto Beachbone. So I had uh, eight dice doubled looking for... So 16 guys looking for sixes um, if I won that combat. Yeah. You roll a three high. I got yeah. the six. Um, so, and, and I think you were right to spend the three might because chances are I would either take two or three wounds off there. And it, it, it's, it's a horrible position to be in in like one of the early turns of combat, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like you say, I think it was the thing maybe the right thing to do because I did kill all the guys around him um, but yeah then it was just unlucky again with not then being able to manoeuvre him back to help Treba because I could see Treba was about to get swamped by everyone else yeah. um, and that's kind of what did it I think was Treba going like in that one round of combat yeah and, and that's that, that, that's just pretty much down to a roll off wasn't it I mean yeah. I I, I, I did the right thing, I suppose, by surrounding him as, and I'd kind of isolated a whole the other ends uh, in that turn, and I knew that you might be able to barge one into into take the odd person off. Uh, you might have been able to take two guys off, but he'd still be trapped. Crucially, I've got a strike, I've got the lance, so I've got um, Ellen Dillon, the captain, looking for fives to to wound uh, Treebeard, and all the Numenorians looking for sixes, and essentially we both struck, both got ten, uh, and it and it just came down to who who won the roll-off, really. Yeah, we both got the six. I think we both rolled the six as well, so yeah, yeah. it was literally all just that one roll-off. Yeah. And for some reason, I was more evil, which now thinking about it, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know that. I think the Ents are the most good. Well, yeah, we, we decided at the start that, that because cause you, you said, oh, well, Ents are kind of, kind of monstery and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, yeah. And also, they don't turn up to help people out unless, unless Fangorn's at risk. So it seems like they're a little bit more evil. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it, if, if it had gone the other way, Treebeard maybe picks up Ellendil, smacks everyone else with Elend with Ellendil. Ellendil probably dies. <laughs> the captain may well lose a wound and definitely his horse. I mean it, it would have been game over. Although can you pick up a horse? Actually I'm not sure you can because it's gotta be man size. So you, you you take the man off the horse. Can you do that? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Anyway either way it's all academic at this point because I I, I did win the roll off. It would have been a devastating turn if, if Treebeard had won that combat. As it as it turned out, Treebeard died, Mary and Pippin dismount and then you know, there's two Ents left that, that don't uh, fight seven as well. So it just became kill the Hobbits, kill the other Ent. And, you know, I, it was very efficient play from Ellendil. I won, he, he only took one point of might per Ent. Yeah, it yeah. was a strike for each of the three Ents. And if I'd have fluffed any of those dice or the strikes had gone badly or anything, 
I'd be in real serious trouble, especially against Beachbone or, or Treebeard. But I think the, the, the dice just landed in exactly the right way for me. Yeah, and it's, I've not never really played against Numenorians, and it's the strength four. Yeah. That's really, really cool for them to have. Cause yeah, because a lot of strength four in the... Um, in the game doesn't usually have spear supports. I mean, uh, no. an Urukai do, uh, but you know, usually you think strength four sort of bulky armies. Are, are hunter orcs have got different attacks, and you know, the, so it's rare for them to have quite a lot of strength four focus in one place. But yeah, yeah it really it certainly helps in this one, looking for just straight sixes rather yeah. than. I think it makes a lot of difference because usually the strength four helps because you're only having to roll one dice. But as soon as you're Every other army is having to roll two dice yeah, against the enemy. So. Right, it'll halve the number of wounds yeah. you get, essentially, won't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big, big swing. Um, well, by the way, Joe, it was great. And, and you, you know, despite having some pretty crappy luck, I mean, <laughs> I'm rolling a, I, I guess it's two, com, two things that went really disastrously wrong. If you hadn't rolled the three up for uh, Beachbone, yeah. and if you hadn't uh, lost the roll off for Treebeard, we could be talking about a very, very different game. But such is the di game of dice, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. And you well, took it well. Oh yeah, it was, it was a lovely game, so yeah, it was really great. Well, Although you did kill the hobbits, which is very mean. Yeah, it, it was mean, it was mean, but they were softer targets, I need to get that quarter. Uh, well, uh, you've got an Entmoot sticker, you've been on Entmoot, and you've got your gathering event, so it all yeah. feels right. Although it does feel a little bit wrong for me being the host of the podcast <laughs> to uh, to be killing Ents in such a vicious fashion. But 12-0 uh, victory to Elendil and the Numenorians. Um, uh, Joe, best of luck in the rest of the tournament. Thank you very much. So before we go into the final round here at the Great North Run, uh, we've got a, a bit of a chat with tournament organiser here, Jake Robson, uh, who is uh, who basically kind of answered the call, as it were, because I, I, in my role in the GBHL, the marketing guy, I, we'd noticed that the, there was a bit of a gap in the, in the kind of the spacing out of events and there wasn't really much going on in the north of England so put the call out for someone and you answered Jake. Yes I answered. Um, it's a bit my first ever tournament I've ever organised so it was a bit of a scary uh, jump at first but yeah no, it's going really really well really yeah. really well. Yeah I mean I, first of all what a venue I mean cheers because yeah, cheers. We've, got, we've both got a, a nice pint of, um, of, of something I've got a coffee stout you've got something nice there look this is a brewery that's absolutely fantastic vibes <laughs> isn't it I mean it's amazing best place for our venue I think yeah. uh, they, they run uh, tournaments all the time as well so it was all ready to go and I think people have been drinking from about 11 o'clock in the morning so it's, uh, <laughs> it's plenty of uh, happy faces <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, as I say you know there's the, you can look through the windows and see all the uh, uh, the big brewery they're not kegs they're like what do they call Ca uh, uh, Not cast. The big vats. Bat vats. That's what we're looking for. We've clearly had a couple too many. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a, what a great vibe. The guys at the bar, as you say, they all, uh, they all know about gaming, so it all feels quite comfortable and cosy. Uh, and, and there's about, what, 30 people here, is it? We've got 30 people, yeah, um, just 15 tables, which has worked out quite well. And there's loads of seats everywhere. Everyone just, and there's also people coming in from who are just at the brewery for a few drinks, so it's like a good vibe. There's also a uh, community gaming uh, club here to sell some of the um, products so yeah it's just really good vibe and everyone's just it's getting the part of the day now where everyone's tired but also a bit slizzy yeah absolutely <laughs> and I mean how important is it do you think to have Lord of the Rings or, or Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game up in this area because uh, there, there hasn't been many big tournaments like this no uh, th there's a lot of people who play it in the northeast but they're all insular there's no sort of one connecting sort of group of people that play it all so what this tournament's done um, has brought a lot of people together who wouldn't have usually met through their usual communication channels uh, and I'm hoping that this brings um, together um, 
a bigger community so that we can have more tournaments in the future. So it's, it's, it's worked out really well and I've already seen people exchanging numbers um, and hopefully they get games again after this and yeah, hopefully another tournament next year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly the sort of stuff that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside yeah. because, you know, the, the idea of bringing some people together who maybe are half an hour or, or an yeah. hour or whatever apart that uh, think that there's only one other person yeah. in the area yeah. who's playing Toy Soldiers uh, or uh, Lord of the Rings Toy Soldiers anyway and, and they're all, t- all together in this room and obviously people like me have come yeah. uh, I know some uh, Julian and some other people have come from Yorkshire, Manchester uh, some of the guys from Scotland but, but obviously they're, they're sort of tag-ons to this yeah. centra- central uh, core of people uh, in the Newcastle and wider area like Darlington and stuff yeah, so like, I mean, like Teesside, um, Sunderland and Newcastle, sort of its own sort of like geographical area. And I'd say about 20 of the people out of the 30 here, maybe 18 of the people are from sort of that area yeah. of the northeast. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting more games with them. I live in London, though, so I'm not sure I'll get many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you, you, you're from, obviously, you can tell from your accent, you're from, from this area, but, uh, you know, still connected, I guess. Yeah, I'm still connected. I'm still in big group chats with everyone from up here, so... Um, when you put the call out, I asked them if they wanted to do it. No one was quite ready to, so I thought, stuff it, why not? I'd be guessing at games in. Yeah. I haven't even played a game with them yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, onto the tournament briefly, uh, and I know uh, I just mentioned beforehand you're not completely au fait with the system, but it's an, a slightly different scoring system to, to the conventional one. Uh, uh, let me get it right. I think we said at the start of the podcast that uh, you, everyone starts on 10 points, and then the vo- yeah. victory point differential means uh, you you know you can end up being on uh, 22 if you've got if you've scored 12 nil or something like that. Yeah. Is that right? it's, it's maxed out with 20. So if you if you win 10 nil or 12 nil, there's no sort of difference in victory points. So yeah, if if, it's, if you draw 5 five, you'll both get 10 victory points. If you lose. Uh, six five. The winner will get eleven victory points. The uh, loser will get nine, and sort of escalates from there upwards or downwards. So um, this is just a really good way for four, uh, a four-game tournament to be able to add, really increase that differential. Yeah, absolutely, it helps it, and uh, yeah, that, that's literally the reason why it's it's there for one day. It help, really, really helps. But also four games in a day. If someone's not having a good time, maybe it's the fourth game they might win, so they might come away a little bit happier and play more games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in terms of the the sort of armies, I mean, you've you've checked the list and you've had a look around obviously today and uh, we'll talk about the standard of painting in a minute as well and um, the the kinds of armies here are quite cool there's quite a lot of big heroes arriving yeah for, for uh, 600 points i wasn't expecting it but um a few bjornings which i suppose they knew they've expected a lot of dwarfs i think four or five dwarf armies now that one of the ringers came in with the dwarf army um a lot of balins glorfindels came up quite a bit as a few elves i saw arno and uh, rivendell army which is a really really good list i think yeah it's quite a good variety list especially yeah. for 600 points yeah absolutely and i've, I've seen some bold uh, we've played a balrog as well so you know there's been, there's been plenty of tough stuff balrog as well and, and j- just finally before we head into the final game of the tournament and um, earlier on we had a display uh, of must have been nearly 10 of the people here who'd enter their armies into um, best painted and the standard was absolutely phenomenal absolutely insane I don't know if anyone will ever look at the JBHL pictures or I'll put them on the group it is yeah really surprised how many people have really put an effort in for it um, a lot of be- the Bjornings were both great the static grass Bjorning wasn't sec- expecting that it was absolutely fantastic yeah that's a shout out Chris Murphy because I-, I know I played against his Bayon met or, or his, certainly I went to a tournament with his Bayon there uh, must be five years ago and, and he had uh, the 
a sort of black static grass fur all over it, which is a fantastic idea. And of course, now he's got Grimbe on added to the arm, he's got brown <laughs> static grass, and it just looks so beautiful, and the rest of the Bjornings look fantastic. And the same with, I think it's James Crawford, who's, who's the other Bjorning yeah, yeah. army, which are these really colourful, vibrant um, Bjornings, but they don't look like cartoony. They somehow, I don't know how he's done it, they're colourful, yet feel quite natural. The, the detail on the Grim Bjorn on the face of um, James Crawford's um, Grimbone is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Like, it's very, very, very well painted. And the display border comes in as well with the sort of two layer tiered um, wooden frame and the um, oh, just brilliant decoration, yeah. brilliant ornate uh, board. Very, very nice. And that's just the bay awnings. There's, there's, the, uh, there's obviously the bow rug we heard earlier from Dave Sweeting. Uh, it was an absolutely beautiful board. Uh, Julian Hammond, who's Rohan, uh, is, is storming to victory in painting competitions around the country. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and there were, there were some other fantastic armies. There's an Easterling Dragon Emperor. I mean, it really, really was outstanding. Uh, yeah, Car Con, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, very, very lucky that the ball came here, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, uh, it's been an absolute fantastic tournament, Jake, and I re really enjoyed being here. As I say, you know, what a, what a venue. You can hear the rock music kicking off in the background as well, and, and we're going into the final round, so who knows? I, I've just won a game quite, quite uh, decisively, so you never know, I could be quite high up. Harry's probably going to be on either top table or second top table, <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, well, thanks very much for talking to me, and thanks again for putting this tournament on. It's brilliant. No worries, thank you very much. Game four, the final game here at uh, the Great North Rune, and uh, playing against Chris uh, in a game of domination. And would you believe it, I'm here on table number two uh, in the final game. I don't quite know how I got there, uh, but Chris is my opponent, and Chris has some meaty, meaty stuff. Just give us a quick summary of, uh, of what you've got in your army, Chris. Well, I brought uh, Azog's Legion with Azog's Hunters, uh, put Bolg as Azog's Legion to get the Master of Battle. Of course. Obviously, very effective. Uh, and then just a truckload of Hunters yeah. and a couple of Warbats just to sneak around, uh, cause a bit of a nuisance. And absolutely. I mean, you've got uh, just slightly fewer models than me but what by one, but you have uh, Hunter Orcs really do hit. You've got Berserkers, Bats, got a lot of mobility in this list, and, and three heroes. Uh, you know, two of which can strike and nine might in total plus master of battle. It's it's very strong. I can see why you're up here at the top. It, it served me well for the day. Yeah, yeah. I've like I say, it's been a, a long slog, but it's done the job. It's it has. Done the job. It's done the job. So, um, with with all that in mind, you you say you'd never played Numenor before. Um, what did you have any kind of idea of how to go about this game? Bearing in mind it's domination. Um, so you've got to sort of divide your army up and, uh, and spread out and try and grab some objectives. I'll be completely honest with you, when you give me the rundown at the start of what your army did, I was like, right, both on strength four, we've both got relatively the same model count, I left it up to the dice gods. Yeah. I thought, I'm just going to plough into you, see what happens. No tactic, obviously, because we both forgot all about the objectives. <laughs> um, I just wanted to go in, hopefully hit you hard, Try and take you down before you took me down, and just leave it to luck. I think uh, in a the bit of luck. A bit. with Bolg there, it does swing my way slightly. Yeah, it he does. The, mas machine, the so. master of battle really can be very helpful. But um, early on, I, the, the deployment started. We've got 24 inches with which to deploy, um, and you deployed your uh, Bolg, some bats, and the berserkers quite far back uh, onto one of the objectives. And I kind of seized that. I thought, right, okay, I'm going to deploy everything right in the middle. Uh, in front of your uh, Hunter Orc warbands and hope that Elendil can do some chopping before he has to deal with Bolg. Do you think that was a mistake on your behalf? Uh, yes, it definitely was. Um, after I put him down there, 
and saw you deploy right on the front line, I was like, well, this is what the game's going to be. Mm. So I had to answer to that and I put the rest of mine up there and all I had to do was try and like, tarp it you out until I could get Bolg and a few more of the heroes up yeah. into the fight. Yeah, and, and to be fair, Hunter Orcs are pretty good at tar pitting. You know, yes. the two attacks is really resilient. You've got a banner in there as well. Um, but I think I did have the, probably the fair share, in, uh, or more than the fair share in the first turn. I've got a higher fight value. I have a banner, um, and Ellendil did a bit of chopping. But I, I, I did some sort of awkward placing of my models, which meant that Ellendil didn't really get the best out of his very early uh, heroic combats. And, and he also bounced off another couple of... Um, uh, hunter orcs later on you know charging two hunter orcs with four attacks it, it can go very badly wrong very quickly it can yes uh, i think what i've learned today is a lot of people didn't realize uh, the brutality of hunter orcs mm. them two dice it doesn't matter that they only fight three when you're throwing two dice and you've got a banner in there uh, the odds are in your favor yeah just yeah. on dice alone uh, absolutely just just number of dice but i mean ellendil so other than that time that he, he bumped off i had to spend two might to survive because i was just so worried about him losing his horse or potentially a wound on the you know the role of uh, six and six and four or whatever it is and um, so after that i think I, I'll, I'll be completely honest i think i did quite a good job of avoiding bolg uh, tracking him down and smashing him i mean it, it, a little bit of luck on my side i suppose for the the right roll-offs and and priority to land my way but i kind of effectively shielded you while my numenorians once the once the early turns where i chopped maybe a line of the the front guys down it became a slight in my uh, in my advantage i think because i had the spears and and so on and just started wrapping around and getting those traps and and it kind of snowballed a bit it did um like you say mid game there while bolg was sat behind the front line uh, you were chopping away and i think bolg did save the day because when he came in he came in swinging yeah and um yeah, you I mean, managed he... to mop up quite a bit after that but early on you were taking me out and i was starting to worry a little bit i think i made a mistake by leaving my archers back a bit the hunter orcs with the bows should have possibly just got them in because still two attacks they should just that's the benefit 100 percent. Yeah, yeah yeah just get in there get the extra attacks done yeah because you, you're wounding my front line on sixes with your bows but you're wounding them on fives with your guys and you get two shots at it so it's yeah. it's a, it's an obvious thing to me but yeah and meanwhile the the we, they kind of haven't really mentioned the objectives you already hinted at that we kind we can't there are a little an afterthought I, I did have an uh, idea of my objectives i had a contingent ready to go back to a rearmost objective and i had some bows deployed on one objective those bows are very lucky i had five numenorean bowmen uh, who managed to kill two bats over the course of three turns uh, that was good but over the other side you'd sent your flanking maneuver of, uh, of berserkers so you had three berserkers and i had basically the first turn i got a charge in with three archers and a spear behind them and i thought right that's it I've got at least one of them gone, and then maybe I've got a chance there, but you got those Berserker 6 plus Fury save rolls. That was annoying. I did. Two out of three. Yeah. It doesn't normally happen. It shouldn't happen, should but it? But it's good when it does. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's fantastic. But uh, I, despite that, um, you managed to kill two of those uh, Numenoreans down that end. Um, but just because of the placement of those guys, one archer and one berserker was on the objective and two, uh, the other two were narrowly off it. So uh, that objective marker was kind of for nothing in the end, which is brilliant. So it all came down to the middle where, of course, you broke one turn before me and Hunter Orcs, you found quite quickly, they, they run away pretty quickly. And crucially in that final turn, you didn't call a heroic move. Despite knowing that you're broken, I charged um, Bolg and Narzog and Fimble. So Hunter Orcs just ran. Yeah, that's completely inexperienced on my part there because totally forgot that Bolg has to move first and he can't do his uh, 
Corwin is engaged. So obviously you tied him up, tied up my heroes, and then I had to suffer the courage checks on courage too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one did make it, um, uh, Hunter Orc, who was, had been left at a rear at most objective, but most of them ran certainly in the middle, which gave me the middle objective. Uh, you had one of your objects at the side. The archers, they were defending uh, against the bats. They claimed one as well. Uh, and uh, we both broke, so it was a very narrow win of 4-3 um, to me, which very proud of, because on the top tables, table number two, a 4-3 win could be successful. But hold on a second, there's a secret objective. We uh, uh, Final game, this was something in the event pack, I might have mentioned at the start of the podcast if I remembered, but um, there was this objective that, that was kind of uh, dramatically unveiled uh, out of an envelope, uh, and it was all about... How, who got the most hero kills, essentially, or kills with their heroes? And Bolg was on the board. <laughs> Bolg was on the board, and he did his, he did what he does. Yeah. He did what he does. He just started ploughing through, used a couple of heroic combats just to get in, chop up a few of your, just your little guys, and, yeah, I think he... He did his work there. That's, yeah. that's what he was there for. Absolutely. He won out the day there. But, um, and, and I think partially because Ellendil, um, I was cautious of calling my free heroic combat knowing that you'd get one. So I, I was a bit reluctant to do it. But also the early turns, um, I mentioned I, I did a bad placement. I kind of blocked myself off with a heroic combat early on when, when Bolg was still yet to arrive in the field. Uh, and the other time when I bounced off those two hunter orcs, um, I managed to be one hero kill behind your... Um, uh, uh, your army, which means you got seven kills with your heroes, I got six with mine, and that's a f five victory point swing for the whole tournament. Not for this game, I still count as winning this game, but it means that you get five tournament points, essentially, to add on the top. So despite having won on table number two, I think you're going to jump me to the podium. Weird. How do you feel? <laughs> Weird, but true. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. Well, either well, way, it's, it, was a great, it was a great final game. Very dramatic. Swingy backwards and forwards. And I, and I didn't even realise the game had ended at the end. And I was, I was sort of, the rug was almost pulled out from underneath my feet because I didn't have an, any idea where I was or what, whether I was going to win or lose or whatever. So, uh, Chris, very well played. Really enjoyed that game. It's real thinker. Uh, the Master of Battle combined with a free heroic combat is made it really interesting I uh, really enjoyed it and um, thanks very much and, and better luck if you did get to the podium fingers crossed <laughs> someone else may yet jump over you so we'll find out in a few minutes time but thanks very much for talking to me thank you Brilliant. so there you go uh, three wins in total and a very narrow loss uh, uh, starting off the day uh, there with the, the Numenorians which I was pretty happy with I mean the, losing against the Balrog in assassination you know I think I could, I'll take that and and then taking three three narrow wins um, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm pretty chuffed with that. A great first performance with the Numenorians. It's fair to say I got very lucky in some games, um, particularly uh, against Tom and his, uh, his Urukai uh, scouts, the um, uh, Ugluk Scouts Legion. Because I think, I, I think we mentioned it, the first turn or thereabouts, I won like all of the fights and killed something like 10 warriors. Um, and he started with 50 models and I started with 30 or something. Um, and uh, it really evened the odds for me and, and gave me a fighting chance and I think the second turn was pretty similar as well so um, yeah I, I think uh, I think from there on in it, it, I, I felt a, a little bit fortunate um, there the Ents again um, I mean if, if a couple of dice rolls had gone the other way it would have been an absolute disaster uh, Treebeard versus Elendil and the Captain and all the Numenorians in the world great if I win the roll off absolutely diabolical um, if I don't, so uh, if if Treebeard had just picked up 
um, you know, uh, Elendil, and or, or just killed Elendil. He probably would have killed him in one go. But if you'd have picked him up and smashed him into everything, you know, that's uh, that's potential dead Elendil and dead captain and uh, well, not dead captain, but a prone captain and a load of other. Uh, other guys so uh, yeah it's uh it, it, it could be really nasty um, and that is assuming that you can pick up uh, Elendil off a horse on a cis man side model not quite sure whether you're allowed to do that or not but anyway it would have been disastrous uh so yeah th- those i felt felt like i got my fair share of luck on those two games and and the last one against bolg um i think i i probably um misplayed Elendil um and um I, but then again um i i think i i had the better deployment um we talked about the the deployment of bolg at the back of the board there um i don't know what what, what I, I think i think that was a bit of a, a poor uh placement it just let let Elendil have a couple of turns uh, going to town but pro- the problem was he didn't really go to town in those turns so uh, it was a bit of I think it was a bit of a closer game than uh, it could have been uh, if uh, Elendil had done the work early on and then I'd, I'd have played him better uh, in the later game but either way uh, still three games um, three wins pretty happy with myself and would you believe it I ended up fifth yeah fifth in the uh, in the tournament in total so um, although uh, I, we mentioned there at the end Chris a game against Chris, uh, I would t- I would be fourth if uh, I'd have won the um, uh, the, the sort of uh, the secret objective. But he just leapfrogged me uh, in the final moments, and I suppose I could have if I'd have won the uh, um, uh, if I'd have won the uh, secret objective, I might have got my found myself on the podium. But um, by all accounts, the top three players on the podium were were fantastic, and also all had almost exactly the same victory points, uh, tournament points in total. Uh, so it's all come down to um, the uh, victory points scored and all those sorts of things. So uh, really, really uh, interesting. We'll find out from the winner in a second uh, once that's been revealed. Uh, but I want to just give a big, big, big shout out um, to the the painting um, on standard. I, it was just absolutely extraordinary. I, I think I mentioned this in a Facebook post on the Great British Hobbit League, um, and I've, I've shared a, a big sort of um, archive of, of all the, the pictures from it so if you just search for my name in the Great British Hobbit League you'll see some of the standard of painting at the Great North Run was absolutely amazing it really really was I mean I've never been to a tournament which which you know it was only about 30 players I think or, or thereabouts um, and and it just had so many so many outstanding armies um, I, I honestly it was just really really good um, so uh, congratulations to the winner of Best Painted but really everyone uh, who submitted an army there had an outstanding army and I, I genuinely thought you know what I've, I'm really proud of my Nurinorians I might get a, might get a chance at it um, but uh, you know that put next to all of the other armies that they just look like they've been painted with my tongue so um I'm, I, I was really happy with how mine looked and i think everyone's armies looked fantastic so a uh, big shout out to everyone's armies uh, there uh, i particularly like the bjornings i think it was uh, james uh, edwin crawford who won the uh, uh won the best painted in the end um but uh, forgive me if i've forgotten that uh, if i didn't get that right but his his bjornings are absolutely amazing they've got um beautiful they're really vibrant colors um lots of different sort of colors and the all the shirts and jumpers and the trousers that the Bjornings wear are different colors um and sort of look bright but they're kind of they're painted in such a way that that makes them look really realistic um and it just i don't know how he does it uh, it just it looks fantastic so james warden for that uh, if it was you indeed your your Bjornings were uh, amazing anyway and i know uh, lots of um 
uh, compliments were paid to uh, Chris Murphy's uh, Grim Beyond and Beyond, who um, he I saw his Beyond many years ago. Um, he, he used static grass um, or black static grass on the um, uh, on the on the actual model to to make it looked like fur and he did the same with his Grimbion which just looks great I mean it looks it's a great effect if I ever do those uh, two guys I will definitely uh, try and steal his idea because it just looks really really cool so um, so yeah a big shout out to them and also to uh, Johnny Wright who won the most sporting um, which I believe I may be wrong but I think that means that currently he is the most sporting man in the Great British Hobbit League Um so great, uh, great work from Johnny there, who had taken what I thought to be a f- fairly strong army. Um, it was Arnor and um, and elves. So uh, yeah, it was an interesting combo. Um, but I don't think he did particularly well with them. So Johnny, if you're listening, well done on uh, keeping a smile on your face despite uh, doing pretty poorly with them. So um, there you go. And, and with that in mind, we uh, from the wooden spoon and the best sporting to the winner of the tournament. Let's reveal all. So after all of that, the final has been settled and the winner emerges from the dust and it's David Nixon. Congratulations on the, on the win. Thank you. Uh, my army was sort of a mix of hobbits, Lothlorien and, uh, and Gwai here in there. Oh wow, so absolute filth. <laughs> absolute filth indeed. A good filth, good soup, that's what we're talking. So I mean, I mean obviously coming to an event like this, it's got an unusual points uh, uh, way of scoring VPs and things like that. I mean. Did, did you bring this army specifically to win the event or was it just because you thought, well, you know, I want to try something a bit unusual out? Um, I, I brought this army because I rushed uh, submitting the event pack right. in my list, yeah. Uh, I, I realised on the night, because I was uh, too busy writing a list for a different event, so uh, I just submitted the same one I played at a different event a while back, which I also won. So, yeah. just All the, right, so you brought a winning list to an event and you've won. So, it's clear. What, what, so you say a, a Gwai here, what, what else was in the list? Sorry, Gwai here, Hobbits and Elves. Yeah, so it's Hobbits, it's Merry uh, uh, with a load of brandy books, ha- Maggot, because uh, he brings those dogs, which are great, and uh, and then Haldir with absolutely loads of Lothorian with the court guards for the fight six, just shutting down everybody, really. Yeah, yeah, and at this sort of points level, those fight six uh, spear sports can be amazingly helpful. Um, and you've I've faced some really tough games, I'm sure, um, particularly the final game against Dave Reed, who uh, I think you, you all three of the podium positions, um, you had exactly the same tournament point positions, uh, but you, you won it out on... Uh, the VP scored in total. So, I mean, how was that last game against Dave? Because obviously you, you ended up technically being drawing on the podium, so pretty close. That last game was domination against, and I was against Kazad Dum, and it, it was very, very close. We both broke each other. We both controlled two objectives each. It came down to me killing his leader and holding the centre with more models. So it was only by two two points. He scored the, they had a, a unique uh, sort of, secret objective for the final game in this which yeah which I turned out I, I thought that everyone had the same one it turns out there were three of them yeah so ours were uh, he's had a night out on the toon he's got one less attack uh, he's one hero he's got one less attack but one plus one to shoot value and you're basically trying to get more kills with those heroes so a bit like a so you've got a hero with slightly slightly altered basically slightly yeah. worse yeah hero slightly worse it can't be a leader so mine ha- I went for Haldir uh, and he had Gimli as his uh, so Gimli got more kills. He got the five VPs for that, which is why we ended up drawing after after uh, 
winning anyway. Yeah, and the, and the same sort of position meant that the, the uh, uh, Chris, who I, I played in the left final game, we just heard, um, you know, I, he ended up leapfrogging me on the positions in the table despite uh, despite uh, me actually winning the game. So it really does throw a spanner in the works. I love that little secret objectives at the end. It's really interesting. It did. It did quite a lot because I was quite a few points clear of um, other people below. Uh, but yeah, I only won seven five. So. I knew I needed to win by uh, at least four points, I think it was, to clear the table, or at least five points, um, which then didn't, didn't work for me. So, uh, it, we, yeah, three-way tie was uh, yeah, nerve-wracking towards the end and not actually thinking if I was going to win the tournament or not. Well, you, you clearly did, uh, and obviously with a, with a really interesting, uh, well-made army. And congratulations on, on winning the tournament. And I must say, I mean, I'm, I think it's been fantastic. It's only a one-day, of course, so four games. But... But what a venue and, and very well run. Yes, I won't be taking that anymore. No. I've had, a, I've had a, a full year round of it, sort of uh, testing and, and playing with it. So I'll probably move on, maybe maybe run some Bay Awnings now. That's the next army I'm ah, Well, I saw that was one of the prizes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the prize that I took from the front. So that's that's decided. I've already got Bay on. I'll, I'll, get, them, I'll get them done up now. Uh, well, David, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. Uh, and congratulations on the win for the tournament. Uh, it, was, it was a great tournament, as I say. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much, uh, uh, riding straight to the top. Yeah, absolutely great venue. Would uh, would definitely come up again. There you go, David Nixon. There, the winner of the Great North Rune uh, in an interesting army, which I understand is doing fairly well on the continent as well, uh, uh, over over the seas in Europe. So um, I understand that it's it's one of the com- more competitive good armies now. So interesting. Uh, I'm I'm intrigued to hear more about um, that kind of hobbity elfy uh, alliance doing well in the future. Maybe one to watch out for. Uh, indeed. Uh, so interesting stuff. Um, also, big shout out to David Nixon as well, because um, uh, just shortly after the tournament, um, I, I'm finishing off recording now, uh, a week or so later, um, the uh, there was a Valabol tournament uh, in Manchester, in Stockport, sorry, um, and Valabol uh, was this, uh, this idea that... Um, the guys at the Drawn Combat came up with, which is essentially a, a charity tournament run um, exclusively to raise money for charity and um, raising money for a cancer charity, I think. I can't remember exactly which one, uh, but a cancer charity. And uh, it, it involved, you sort of keep track of, you choose a hero at the start of the tournament, you keep track of how well they're doing, and then um, the hero win, uh, whichever hero is the best killer over the course of the tournament wins a prize and then there's a prize for the best uh, painted and all those sorts of things as well as the normal tournament stuff so yeah it really cool really cool idea a really uh, amazing effort the guys at drawn combat do uh, have done there um and some of the prizes were absolutely gorgeous. I mean, if you follow any of the uh, the drawn combat guys on Instagram or on on Facebook, or, or even just keep an eye out for their names on the Great British Hobby League, uh, then you'll you'll know that they they paint some extraordinary models, and uh, they basically did these little dioramas as as the pr- trophies. Um, I think one of them was like Bilbo with his little table and um, uh, all that sort of stuff. So. It, it, they're just, and I think another one was the Black, uh, the Witch King, the Black Rider version, um, looking at, at Frodo on the docks at um, Bookerbury Ferry. So, it they're just absolutely outstanding. I mean, do check them out, and the prizes are insane. Um, all raising money for charity. I think uh, in total, 
Um, it was somewhere in the region of £1,500 um, raised for charity. Uh, I'll just get uh, get that figure up again. Yeah, £1,500 for charity, which is insane. Uh, and, and the guys asked me if I wanted to contribute any sort of um, Entmoot swag, uh, which I was absolutely happy to uh, oblige, but on the condition that the the it's like a, as a spot prize uh, on the condition that they shout Bura rum uh, in order to win the prize and guess who won it it was david nixon who won this tournament and this was his attempt go yeah yeah i mean it, he gave it a go he gave it a go but uh, thanks very much david uh, and to dan who uh, filmed that bit for me specifically for the podcast uh, as well as uh, as the rest of the uh, drawn combat guys for arranging the tournament Stephen uh, and dan as well to uh, uh, and asking me for you know, my contribution, you know, it's nice to be asked. Um, obviously, yeah, it, it, anything to to help raise money for charity, I'm well up for. So, um, uh, guys at Drawn Combat, big big shout out to uh, Valabol. I think it was the second Valabol with a fortitudinal tr- uh, twist uh, because I think the here is a fortitude this time rather than valor. Um, so, I look out for that one next year. It sounds like a great uh, great idea and a great event. Um, so there you go. Uh, thanks very much for listening to another Entmoot. Um, we've had the great North Rune, uh, uh, Jake uh, Robson. Thank you very much for him for organising it. And all of the guys uh, had a nice chat with over the day. Uh, if there's another one up there at the Anarchy Brew Company, I'd highly recommend it. The beer was nice. The event was amazing. Uh, everyone seemed really friendly and uh, some good standard of, of play, I must say. No easy games were had, um, but uh, the, the Numenorians will ride again. Uh, another point, low points tournament um, in my local area, another one day. So I'm looking forward to that, uh, which should be coming, uh, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. In the next few weeks, uh, the 20th of November is the tournament uh, date. So looking forward to that. Can't wait to crack on with more Numenorians. But uh, in the meantime, uh, best look at the tabletops. I'll talk to you soon. Boorah rum.